Yes, what is cracking, y'all? Welcome to The Chosen Ones. I'm your host, Joseph Richard Powell. I will be interviewing incredible human beings who are making an impact, living a life they love, and are hella good at what they do. From base camp to the peak of success, we are closing the gap between life barely lived to life on fire. Let's go. Folks, what is going on? We are back with a new episode after a long delay. A lot has changed since the first 10 episodes of The Chosen Ones. And before I announce my very special guest today, I want to explain to all of you, first of all, who this podcast is for and why you should listen to it. Who is it for? It is for people who are feeling lost, stuck, or unfulfilled. It is for people who are trying to escape the matrix. And it is for people who simply want to enjoy life again. Now, if you are one of these people, the reason you should listen to this podcast is because I am going to be bringing on guests who at one point were in that same position of feeling lost, stuck, and unfulfilled. They were stuck in the matrix. They were not enjoying their life and they have taken the leap and successfully transitioned out of that place. Not only are we going to hear their story, but I'm going to be getting all of the tips and tricks and tools from them to provide to you to help you to take that same leap yourself. Now, a little bit of housekeeping. The last time you heard me on this podcast, I was in Vancouver, Canada. I no longer live in that place. Currently, I'm in Costa Rica, and I do not have the same home office that I had while I was in Costa Rica. So I can guarantee that we're going to be dealing with some background noise, whether it's my next door neighbor's blue healer puppy, whether it's one of the other 20 dogs that run around in the neighborhood barking, whether it's the roosters, whether it's the construction that's happening, the planes flying overhead, we are going to be dealing with noise. That is all part of the dream life that I am currently living and that is going to be brought to you. So I apologize in advance. I'll say that once, but we certainly will be dealing with a little bit of noise as we continue this podcast. So I have a very special guest on the show today. This is my father, Richard Powell, and this is actually really interesting to me because I've actually never even had the conversation with you, dad, that we're about to have today. There is a lot of your story, which, you know, of course, being a part of it for many years, I'm familiar with, but we've never actually had a conversation around how you got into the life that you created for yourself. Now, before I start asking you questions and before we jump into this, I want to give everyone an idea of what my life looked like from my perspective of growing up with you as my father. And it's a pretty cool story at the end of the day. So just so everyone knows, and a lot of you who follow me and listen to this podcast, you know my story. But originally, I was raised in a small town called Grand Bend, Ontario, which is about a thousand people on the, I guess, southwestern Ontario, a little beach town on Lake Huron. And growing up, my dad, Rick Powell, he was a musician. Not only a musician, but him and my mom, Ellie, they owned a bar that was quite popular in Grand Bend called Coconut Bay that they both owned. And it was a pretty cool experience growing up uh, with 
these, you know, being uh, the son of this bar owner, being the son of a musician, because in a smaller town, and not even just this town, but the surrounding towns, my dad was actually a pretty big deal. There was actually a cool thing to be, to say to people, oh my, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're Rick Powell's son. That always carried a lot of weight for me and kept me out of trouble a lot of times growing up. So from my perspective, it was always very cool. Now, my sister and I, for most of our life, uh, we were, we lived above the bar that my parents owned. There was a level on top where we had a, a house in. Uh, or an apartment and we lived in that apartment so we would actually fall asleep to the party downstairs and later we moved to a house a little bit further away which was right on the lake and I grew up on the lake and it was a beautiful childhood to be around and to to be a part of and to be in and I'm glad I found my way back to the water it took me about 10 years too but point of the story is it was a really interesting thing to see as a child of having two parents who were both entrepreneurs. Now, the reason why, Dad, I want to have you on the podcast is because I often talk about how things have changed a lot in the world today in terms of, uh, you know, life isn't what it used to be and people are really looking for more purpose and more meaning where once upon a time, the goal was to go to school, get a job, get married, have children. And that was really the, you know, essentially the American dream or the goal. And most people were satisfied with that life where a lot of people, millennials and younger generations, for some reason, something has changed where they're looking for a little bit more. But what's interesting with talking to you is back when it was very normal to live a traditional life of just going through those motions, you actually didn't do that. And one of the things about what I do with this podcast and wanting to talk to people is talking to people who are do who have done things differently, because what I've learned is that going through that process of getting a job, getting married, having children, buying a house, many people, especially today, end up at a place where they're unhappy in life. And what I've taken from that is that might not be the correct answer for some people. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring people on this podcast who are doing things differently, people who have created their dream life, people who travel for a living, whatever they might be doing. But essentially, you are one of the pioneers of this movement for having done it when you were younger. And that really wasn't a common thing to do at that time in the world. It was very common that you would get a job, stay loyal to that job, and that would be what you did. You know, you would have a boss for your whole life. So it's very interesting to me years later how I coach people in this area and to look back and to see how you and mom were also entrepreneurs yourselves, but not just entrepreneurs, but in a very special time. So the first question I want to ask is how did that even come to be? Why did you choose to live the life of an entrepreneur, whether or not you even knew you were doing it at that time, rather than you know, go the traditional route with working in an office for the rest of your life? Or, you know, I know you had multiple jobs, but why, how did you get on the path that you ended up on? Well, being an entrepreneur was uh, owning my own establishment was always a dream. It's every musician's dream, which, which was great, you know, 
And I'm glad I did it. It was a great experience. It was a great life for us as a family because I I was always home during the day with you guys, you and Kimberly. And I'd go to work when you guys were in bed. So yeah, that was uh, my dream come true. And your, your mom agreed to do it. And happily ever after. So let's go to the musician part of it because Obviously, you were a musician years before you guys decided to open the restaurant. And let, let's look at that aspect of it. How did you get into, like, I know that you became a musician at quite a young age. I know you've had other jobs. How did you get into becoming a musician and where did that start and where did it come from? Elvis Presley, I'm sure you've heard of him, uh, was the big thing in 1956. And I used to stand in front of a mirror with my toy guitar. And my mother, your grandma, said, oh, I think Ricky wants to learn the guitar. So she signed me up. That's how I got there. How old, how old was that? Oh, I, was, I started when I was 12. Oh, wow. And now I'm... 70 still doing it except i have no i have no voice now as you could hear when you started at 12 was that something was it consistent that you it was always just in your life until now yep and when did you i mean i'm just thinking of grandma how cool that is and i think about the same as you and mom of being so fortunate to have people who encourage you, whatever it is that you want to do, because the unfortunate reality of a lot of the people that I work with as a coach is they don't have that support network from other people, whether it's their family or friends that most of them are saying, you know, you need to be a lawyer, you need to be a doctor, you need to, you know, have a secure job that for them, it's a lot of resistance and having someone like a coach to help them is very powerful and I was very fortunate to have, have you guys as parents, as entrepreneurs to understand and be very, uh, uh, I, I can't think of the word is a very straightforward word, but being, you know, just being very accepting of whatever the path was that I ever wanted to take in life. So I didn't know if I, one of my questions was going to be if grandma and grandpa were always supportive or if they wanted you to stay in school and you said, no, I'm going to be a musician or actually how that worked. So it's interesting to hear that. I, I was horrible in school. Horrible. I couldn't concentrate. I wanted to be a rock star. And, uh, at grade 10 in Sarnia, I dropped out and uh, got a job, but I always hated getting up early in the morning like you did, so I had to get a job that I could sleep in and play the guitar, sing, pick up girls, 
<laughs> and that's what happened. I just, I got very well. Lucky. I knew, I know you're, you're a very humble person and that was going to come up quite often, but at some point, you know, also we create these, these lives for ourselves and it's definitely luck involved, but it's also, you know, who we're surrounded by our environment and our decision to, you know, prioritize what we want to do. When did you actually start working as a musician to get paid? Was there a transition point in there somewhere where maybe you were doing something and you quit or was it a slow buildup or what did that transition look like? I was 19 when I started making money. Uh, when I turned 21, living in Sarnia, Ontario, I was offered a job to go on the road with a band. And that was the happiest day of my life at that point. But that didn't last long. I was only out three months. And everything really happened after that. Meet, meeting up with great musicians to play with. That taught me everything. Like the Saber Brothers Band. And uh, what an education. Didn't just teach me how to play, but taught me how to entertain. Which was great. I was able to make people smile, dance, just have a good time. Not many people do that these days. They just play and mm -hmm. hope you listen. I demanded it. Was there a part in that journey where or maybe, I don't know, as a musician, I would assume so, where there was questioning of whether am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path? Or was it just very certain for you that this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? That was it. As long as it would accept me, mm -hmm. I would do it. And again, I've been very lucky at finding work. I mean, obviously, our our bar restaurant was eight eight beautiful years where i was the entertainer and then as you know we went out of florida played down there a lot so yeah. i wouldn't trade it joe and <clears throat> we were able your mom and i were able to Raised two great children, you and your sis, who have, who are donating your lives to helping everybody. How better could it be? Very proud. Very proud. I mean, there's a million ways to make an impact in the world, whether it's coaching and talking to someone on the phone, whether it's through music and helping someone enjoy it and have a good night and forget about their problems. And I, it's, you know, it's really just about all of us finding that thing that we love to do, as opposed to just kind of stumbling through life with a job that we hate. I don't think that has to happen. I think it's, 
you know, we can do whatever we really want to do and we can make a living doing it. And I just think it's very cool that you took that path. Was there, when you were doing that, I mean, I know, I assume you were surrounded by musicians and that was kind of your little world, but like, you know, I just think of people like, um, like even other family members and in different families where, you know, looking at our family and say the Bartlins and the Franzes, what we were, what our family was always quite different in that sense of what you guys were doing for a living. Did you ever feel, or was it like you guys were just very strange the way that you were, you know, what you were doing for work or did you ever feel that way? Like, you know, this is not the thing, this is not typically how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing for a living. Like what did, I'm trying to figure out like, being an entrepreneur now is becoming more common and traveling for work is more common. I'm wondering if it was like that when you were going through it, or if it was kind of like you really stood out from the crowd for doing this, you know, opening up a restaurant and being musicians and mom working, you know, working in the restaurant and later bookkeeping, like, was that a normal thing to do at that time? Or was that quite unique? I, I think it was quite different. But it was it was my calling uh, to do it in that small town, and I loved it. I still love it. I still love getting out there, but it's different than it was. That's for sure. Gone are the days of six nights in a matinee. That's the way it used to be. What? Give me a quick life, a lifeline, because I don't remember the the times, and I don't actually know this story. But tell me, from say like twenty one, you said where you started. You know, you were on the road quite young, working a lot in Sarnia. Tell me what that, what your lifeline looked like, or the timeline of leaving Sarnia, moving to Grand Bend. Whether you bought the restaurant and opened it right away, like what is that? What is this kind of? 15 year gap. Like, I don't even know how old you were when you guys got the restaurant, if you lived in Grand Bend before, or if you moved there and bought it or like, what is this, what does this transition look like from starting out as a young musician at 21 in Sarnia to, you know, owning this very reputable restaurant and bar in Grand Bend years later? What does that everything in between there kind of look like? Well, I always had, uh, pardon me, good musicians to play with. I was very lucky that way to have great accompaniment and uh, where we we made each other shine. Um, Saber Brothers was five years, great, great band. Um, When I was only in the direction of making money, and being happy. I didn't need a lot. Didn't need a lot of money. And I was accepted by your mom's family. They put up with me, with what I was doing. Oma and Opa, wow. How did they think about it? So, yeah, that they would they would come out, uh, the very German... Very German people. I love them. Love them. 
And they would come out and hear me and have a drink or two. Not a lot, just a bite to eat. And yeah, great people. But you don't remember them because you'd be mm-hmm. too young at the time. And uh, I know that there's input from the other side, which I believe in. That's got you going in, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. You know, that work ethic. They were workers. And you guys are too. And your mom was great. Yeah, I mean, definitely some work ethic, but I also feel like it's partially between aligning yourself with doing something that you enjoy doing. Absolutely. You know, like having a conversation about this stuff with you, like I don't feel like I'm clocking into work. You know, this is stuff that I want to talk about like same with probably playing music and the advantage of how you can actually do something you enjoy for a living so yeah i loved it still do yep i don't know how long i can go but i'm giving her till i can because i like i say it's not not getting rich being happy I could eat pork chops what I want, have a beer what I want, but that's about mm-hmm. it. Just enjoying my life. And I hope you do, and everybody does. Yeah. A lot of people go work in the factories for 35, 40 years every day. Until they retire. And that was just a habit. I would have been better off financially if I'd done that. But money ain't everything. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to new musicians who are potentially wanting to do the same thing with the rest of their life? Learn the words. Learn the words? What do you mean? (laughs) To the songs? Everybody these days, they have a binder in front of them with all all the lyrics. In the old school, we learned them. That way you can sing the song for what it is. Instead of reading it, that's just a small thing. Just enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. Take time and do it. Learn it well. Did you find that opening up your own place, did that that have a big impact in your success or were you already playing? Have you already, did you already reach success with what you were doing before you guys opened up the restaurant? I was, uh, I was to blow my horn. I was very well known in Grand Bend, so I didn't think that we'd fail. Mm -hmm. I was 100% sure we'd do it, and we did it. It was a great, great run for 10 years, Mm -hmm. but it was only two months a year of business. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so we, uh, we made it in the summer, and floated in the winter Mm -hmm. should have done it in the city 
But it was great. I love Grand Ben. Everybody loves Grand Ben. And that's two, definitely two different worlds of, you know, you have the life of a musician and then you have the life of a restaurant owner, which is a whole nother beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mother was the big part of that. Um, and we got people from all around Toronto, Kitchener, Sarnia, Waterloo, the States. We got people in the summertime from everywhere. Beautiful. We'd have lineups. It wasn't a huge place, but we'd have lineups. And everybody got into it, you know, like, yeah, come on, man, let's do it, let's do it. We did it. Hmm. So, Force, what do you see looking back now? Are you glad that you took the direction that you took? Was it, you know, is that, was that always just the path that was meant for you? Yep. Yeah. Without yep. a doubt. Interesting. Without a doubt. Like I said, Joe, I was terrible at school. Uh, and finding out just a few years ago, I found out that I had actually had a learning disability, which in those days, autism was not recognized. And I, I had mild autism and I couldn't concentrate. And they didn't push us through like they do today. I spent more years in grade school. <laughs> but I learned a lot. Yeah. And not just pushing you through, but helping you learn in a way that you can actually learn as opposed to just, you know, sitting yeah. still. And, you know, I mean, I don't believe anyone can really learn like that. I couldn't. It's, you know. But my education was out on the street. Yeah. You know, doing, I did have jobs when I was younger. And it was great learning experience. Yeah. Well, there's no, uh, yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship, right? It's kind of, uh, it's a great way to learn business. You can't really learn that stuff in school. That's about being out there and learning and learning the hard way a lot of times as well. And like you, you've had some pretty crappy jobs. And one I most admired that you did was asphalt roofing. Oh, yeah. And I can relate to that because I worked on an asphalt crew when I was 21. And it was hot. I enjoyed it, though. Taught work ethic. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had my boss. He knew I didn't like to get up because I was out playing at night. So he'd call me at 11 or 12. Hey, Powell, come on into work. So it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you always did sleep in. That's, I wonder, yeah. <laughs> Build a whole life around being able to get good sleep. But... <laughs> I think, yeah, like with that, I mean, going back to the roofing thing, there's a lot of luck in my situation as well of like having 
when I was roofing, I decided to go to Taiwan. And when I was in Taiwan, you know, and luckily with that was because Kim went there. And when I was in Taiwan, I met my friend Keith, who was an iron worker. And then when we came back to Canada, he got me a job iron working. And I think it was the combination of going to Taiwan and also the iron working job that really opened up my mind to seeing how to live a life outside of a small town. Because other than that, it was like, you know, the town that I was roofing in was the same town I grew up going to school in. So it, it could have very easily been me just growing up living in a small town my whole life. But luckily, a couple things happened that provoked me to kind of, you know, step out of that comfort zone a little bit, which, you know, now I live in Costa Rica, and I coach for a living, which never would have happened. And I think like, even me being a coach by if I'm sharing something on social media, it gives other people that, you know, I'm reaching out to them to say, hey, there is more you know, life can be enjoyable. You can do what you want for a living and make money because the the common narrative is you're not supposed to enjoy your job. You're not supposed to enjoy your life. It's supposed to be hard work. And, you know, maybe once upon a time you could go to work and then turn that off and go home, but it's not, it doesn't really work that way. You know, our work is a big part of our life. And I think, I don't know how anyone could hate their job for eight hours a day or 40 hours a week and still enjoy their life. When you're spending two thirds of your life, you know, over half your life at work, if you consider that you're sleeping for a third of your life and just not enjoy that, how are you supposed to have an enjoyable life? So I think like the whole idea of working a job we don't enjoy, that's a, you know, I don't think that's something we were supposed to be doing. And I think especially now today with all the opportunity, with technology, with social media, working online, being able to travel so easily. There's a million ways that people can make an income doing something they enjoy, where that never always used to be the case, I feel. Well, you've, uh, I don't know where you got it, but you've become such a fabulous speaker. And I just don't get it because it's not for me because I'm not a speaker. If I'm working, I'm okay, you know, playing music, but not a speaker. And uh, you travel, you travel a lot. You both, you and your sister. Where did you get that from? Well, I mean, we were going to Florida every year, right? Well, yeah, yeah. My highlight is. Uh, smoking a little bit of stuff and uh then all my uh silent friends come over <laughs> yeah you can you can edit that out oh no it's good it's all good <laughs> yeah it's legal now <laughs> i think it's too you know when you it's not about it depends what i for me what i'm talking about because i don't can i can't public speak you know i can't be in front of a large audience but it always goes back to this is just something that I want to talk about. So again, when you're doing something you enjoy, there's not a lot of resistance. It's like, this is something that I feel like talking about. It's not like I have to go and talk about mathematics in front of a classroom or I probably would be horrible at that. But if it's something that you are truly wanting to do, whether it's sing or play music, I feel like it. we just find that to be a lot more easier for some yeah. reason. Well, I think you'd be a 
a tremendous speaker in front of an audience too. Well, it's it's really cool. By the way, have you seen Cohen playing the drums? I have, yeah. <laughs> My God, you can see it in his face. Six years old. Yeah. Well, that's a, a you know I think a good sign when I you know talking to people and helping them figure out what they want to do with their life. There's always these um, outliers that for some reason they just always knew what they wanted to do with their life from as long as they can remember. And I think similar to your case where like, you know, 12 years old, that's pretty early to know. And for you to have so much confidence in knowing like you, when you answer that question, you're like, absolutely. I knew this is what I want to do. And it's funny how there's that type of person. And I think Cohen is that type of person probably with music as well, where it's like, you know, the way he picks those, the look on his face when he plays, you know, that's kind of that look of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's funny how some yeah. people just seem to have that, you know, and some people, uh, people are very lucky like you to know what they want to do so confidently. Cause I think there's a lot of people out there who don't know what they want to do for a living, which is essentially why I have a job, but. Well, you got to go out and make a living, get married, have kids. Yeah, that's all good. But you got to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You got to laugh, have fun. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. So what advice do you have for anyone who is, they hate their job, you know, they work for a corporation, they're unfulfilled, and they want to make a change? coming from advice from someone who, you know, essentially created a life that they enjoy. Don't do anything that you hate doing. Enjoy it. Even if it's for a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Come home with a smile. Don't come home miserable and take it out on your partner. Which is a good example of how hating your job overflows into the rest of your life. How can you live an enjoyable life if you don't enjoy what you do for a living, right? So, yeah. We're pretty lucky, Joey. We are. Well, yep. I mean, I've said it many times. I love what you, the life that you created for yourself. It's an incredible example for people, it's an incredible example for. Cohen and Riker to see their, what their grandparents did for a living for myself. That has essentially led me on the path that I'm on. Very proud to be your son. Very awesome experience to be raised in that environment. And to see that was just such a cool thing. And I love you. And there's still a lot more to do. So let's figure out what that looks like and keep on doing it. Well, Thank you, Joe, and I love you, too, and Kimberly and everybody. You know, I'm very proud. My father <laughs> never said he was proud of me until I was about 35 years old. And, you know, that hurts. You got to let them know. Let your kids know you're proud of them. Yeah. Man, I was there at your hockey games. and. Kimberly skating. I loved it all. Mm -hmm. 
I, of course, I was the guy with the big camera in the back corner. Take all the videos that I've got of you guys. Yeah, I remember that. Have your, you'll have your lives full of my saving video yeah. after I'm gone. Well, yeah, that's, a, you know, stuff that we remember, of course. And whenever we do anything, there's something that is deeply ingrained in knowing that you support it, whatever it is. You know, it didn't matter if I was roofing or if I was ironworking or teaching English in Taiwan or bartending, you were always proud. And I think that just yeah. goes a long way. A teacher, a teacher of all things. Yeah. You know, that's what I mean. You got, you just exploded with knowledge and want doing what you want yeah all from a place all coming from a place of <laughs> living a life that was too crazy in the opposite direction but was also the yeah. you know the best things that happened to me, so but well anything else you want to share that you wanted to talk about while we're on here i don't think so no just I say to all your audience to listen to Joe <laughs> and because you are definitely pointing them in the right direction. Well, I definitely love my life and it always wasn't that way. So I also know what it feels like to not love your life and to feel like there's no way out of that place. So and you're in Costa Rica now, and in Costa Rica, which we'll be setting up a trip <laughs> for. I mean, that's I got to get there. I'm stuck, stuck in my little apartment here. Yeah, get you out all the craziness in Canada. Yeah, I just got to find myself another companion someday to share my life with. Oh, there we go, listeners. Richard what? Powell. To all the listeners out there, is a dating my date new dating podcast. Rick Powell's there on the market. Yeah. <clears throat> Means you have to deal with me as well. But yeah, it ain't all bad, Joe. Oh no, she's out there. Yeah, put yourself out there, and you know what to do. I don't need to tell you. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been this has been great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I'm sure. You know, it's funny that. When I was going to start this thing, I thought, you know, obviously we talk a lot, but we haven't really had a conversation or obviously around this and, you know, essentially how I feel, how cool it is that, you know, I'm sure we've said to you and mom about, you know, the life that you guys created for yourself. Like I said, like we could sit here and talk about it all day about why did you do it? Why was it important? But actions speak louder than words that you just said, this is the life that I want to live. And you created that for yourself. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, we've never really had that conversation. But then I also thought how cool this is to have you on the podcast, because I don't think that's a thing of just you and me. I think about, well, how many people actually, you know, talk to their parents about their life growing up and how important that is. And, you know, obviously, that's something that in 50 years or hundred years, I don't ever want to regret of actually learning the story of, you know, where I came from and how that all came about. So it's, you know, yeah. Well, you guys growing up on the beach was a great reward for you or for, uh, <clears throat> for your mother and myself. Mm -hmm. It was a perfect life. Yeah. 
and making people happy was my uh, my goal. Still is, you know, get people sing along and say something stupid to them, just to yeah. Yeah, it was quite a, you know, it's, you can always say you can, you know, the good old days, but even for me, just seeing, having a vague memory of Coconut Bay and also seeing the photos that that really was a special time in the world of the way that people actually connected with each other. You know, they didn't have cell phones. They would go into the restaurant and they would dance and sing and everyone knew each other and talked to each other like that. We really don't have that like we did at that time. And, you know, you were the creator of bringing that energy together, of having that space and playing the music that there's a lot of people in the world who today are very grateful for what you did because, you know, those are the best memories of their life. You know, Coconut Bay closed in... 94 and they still talk about it and for your listeners if you go to rick powell youtube you can see a lot of joe's life <laughs> right there <laughs> him as a little kid and and growing up because i i post everything that's a that's a good point as well, which I'm glad you brought up because that's something that I'm a little rusty with this podcast after not doing one in six months or almost a year probably. But uh, at the end, how can people find you? How can they reach you? I don't know if you want to connect on Facebook or YouTube. Where can they find your music? What's the best way to get a hold of you if they want? YouTube is YouTube is where they can hear the music. Okay. What's the no name? Difference. What's the YouTube channel? Rick Rick Powell. Okay. Just Rick Powell. Okay. And Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. I'll get you to send me those links as well. I'll post those for everyone. This is going to be on all the platforms. I iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. You can see little Joe Powell on YouTube. I mean, yeah. he was a handful. Well, let's here we got. Let's wrap this up with a good story. So there was a, I wonder if I've ever told this on the podcast. I don't think so. I think I might've talked about it in my book, but living above a bar, very interesting. You know, me and my sister would put our ears to the floor every night when my dad would be, play, you know, falling asleep to hearing our dad play music. It was a really incredible experience, but there was a very important rule in this bar for us being young children, which was that you did not go downstairs without shoes on. <laughs> and I don't remember this. This was a story that I, I've been told or was told in front of me and a large audience my entire life. But apparently on a Friday or Saturday, I don't know, would you want to tell it or no? Well, yeah, it was a busy, busy, busy night. And yeah, you had to have shoes on because sticky floors Joe comes downstairs at 1 a.m. in the morning with nothing but a, nothing but a pair of red boots, bare naked, <laughs> and hollers at his mom, get upstairs. <laughs> oh. Now, I have to say, we always had a babysitter upstairs with them. They weren't alone. Yeah. But that was the, that was the story of, of the time. Heard that one, yeah. 
Anyways, at least I knew how to think outside the box, and I do know how to follow rules to some degree. But yeah, interesting, interesting life, and you know, memories, experiences that I'll always remember. Everything I remember from growing up has been, you know, pleasant. Um, live growing up on the beach, uh, the flexibility that you and mom had to spend time with us, traveling to Florida. Uh, you know, it was a really beautiful life and it, part of that, and you know, this is an interesting thing to say as well, is that when you create flexibility in your life and work on your own schedule and your own business, you're creating freedom for your family as well. And I really was a recipient of that from you guys of having that extra time to spend and, you know, for us to grow up on the beach and for us to travel to Florida, there's a lot of benefits to that life and most importantly that you guys enjoyed your lives you know and that reflects we knew you were happy growing up and that affects children if your parents are miserable every day that really does show of course oh yeah you know there's a point there where whether or not marriage works but i'm still happy of that decision of you know whatever that looks like to make yourself happy whatever that means at the end of the day so can i can i tell one little story of course you don't have to put it in if you don't want. But <laughs> well, now we have to because we hear that. After, after Coconut Bay, I worked at uh, Oakwood Golf Resort, entertaining for eight years. I remember that and, quite well, coming there. Yeah. And you were a young partier at the time, and you borrowed my car. And you and your buddies were out bombing around. And you put it in a ditch. That was with Delaney. And Delaney, was it? Yeah. Thank God that I knew the cop. Because when you got busted, there was a... a what do you call oh, it? yeah. The lock cutters. Yeah, bolt, bolt cutters. cutters. Yeah. And That uh, weren't mine, for the record. They were yours from the campground. Absolutely. Well, thank goodness I knew the policeman. And he said, Rick, we found your son, your car, with bolt cutters. And I said, oh, no, they're mine. They're my bolt cutters. I put them in there last week, which was true. But I thought, you could have been in big trouble, mister. Oh, yeah. Had it been. Uh... <laughs> all, the, all the stories. There's so many that, you know. Yeah you know, coming back to luck of so many decisions and just being lucky and how different anyone's life could be and how we have to appreciate at some point that we're meant to be where we are for a specific reason. It's an interesting journey we're on, but yeah. Well, you keep on uh, and your sister and Brian, everybody enjoying what you're doing because I, I wouldn't trade a thing. Well, it's because of you that most of us are on the path that we're on, you know, so. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Proud of you for everything that you've done and a great example for the world. And I'm going to continue to show that for people and encourage that same life. So. Right on. All right. Love Love you too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Chosen Ones. If you did, if you could leave me a five-star review, it would mean the world to me. 
I know life is busy, so I truly appreciate you taking the time. Please also feel free to subscribe and share. You can learn more about me at mastersoflifesociety.com, where you can also find The Chosen One's book and podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Masters of Life Society, where you can find the videos of these episodes as well as my social media shorts. And you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Joseph Richard Powell. Thank you so much for your support. I love y'all.